Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics out March 6th, 2019. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Yes, and this is a very special episode. We're using the wonders of modern technology to uh, record this episode coast to coast. Wow. I Yeah, I'm coming in. I'm hanging 10. I got some uh, sunscreen on my nose, got my shades, got my coconut full of, uh, I don't know, some sort of fruity drink. This is my first time over here. It's great to to see all of our our wonderful colleagues out on uh, the West Coast. Yeah, it's going good. So good. And it's so good. Just like this week's batch of comics, we have a ton of good books to talk about this week. So let's dive in uh, as we're going to talk about all the new print issues out this week. Lots of digital stuff uh, hitting our apps. Of course, we're going to talk about the collections. But Tucker, you're going to start us off. All right. We are starting with Age of X-Men, Prisoner X, number one. It's written by Vita Ayala with art by Jermon Peralta, colors by Mike Spicer, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And this is my first pick of the week. I am a huge fan of Vita. She did, I thought, some really awesome stuff with the Marvel Knights 20th. So it's great to see her uh, back here. And this is a really, really interesting take on the Age of X-Men kind of world and series uh, of books and things like that. Because we've been exploring the Age of X-Men, which is obviously kind of billed as a utopia. But we've slowly been discovering that obviously a lot of that is untrue. What's so super fascinating about this issue is that we kind of see a really much darker side of things. And kind of we join the story with Bishop, who is in jail. He encounters facsimiles of other X-Men that, of course, we know. But he's kind of confused. He doesn't quite know what's going on. He doesn't know who they are. He has an inkling that something is up, but he's not really sure. What's really interesting is that Bishop is having these dreams where he's getting visions of sentinels and of apocalypse and of a bunch of different things and to him they're just nightmares but obviously we know a lot more than he does in this story and to see him slowly start to kind of perk his ears to certain things is so fascinating the way that it's constructed in this story is so well done i had a great time reading this and uh yeah i'm super excited to see what happens uh moving forward with prisoner x i think all of these age of x-men books have been so much fun. They've been so different in so many different ways. But uh, yeah, Prisoner X is is definitely one to watch. Yeah, I, I, I kind of look at this one as almost like Oz, a little less R-rated than right. uh, the uh, the TV show Oz, but uh, like Oz with mutants. And it's really fun. What you were saying about Vita's work, like, yeah, this is one of the few things that I've read of hers, and I, I loved it. I loved yeah. it so much. It was nearly one of my picks. And Bishop in the original Age of Apocalypse story had such an interesting place because of his, like, you know, man out of time time travel thing it made it a really weird um thing because he wasn't in that original history but he was involved in the story and like it was really neat so playing that that sort of plays into the way i look at bishop here and i think it's it's real cool there's lots of little fun easter eggs and neat things that uh vita and the team are putting in here dug it so much up next is amazing spider-man number 16 dot h u who dot hugh (laughs) Uh, because we are ridiculous, we like to make up our own numbers, and we've got a whole bunch of, uh, I think there's 
4.hu books for uh, the Hunted storyline, which sort of kicked off last week or two weeks mm-hmm. ago with um, issue uh, with the previous issue. And then this one really starts to get us in here. And each of these .hu issues will uh, give us a glimpse into a villain character, I believe, in Hunted and how they factor into this storyline. The storyline being Craven is going for the ultimate hunt and he's going after animal-themed villains and and heroes and characters and people. So he's got a lizard, uh, so the, the Connor's child, the actual lizard's son. He's got Puma. He's got Rhino. He's got a bunch of different characters. And this issue focuses on Black Cat. And what I thought was really neat is how this ties into the recent story with Black Cat, how she had forgotten who Spider-Man really was and how she recently found out again because Spider-Man told her they had this such great history. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's all this all these comics in the 80s that we read that featured them together as a couple losing that part of her memory sort of really affected her. And I love what Nick Spencer did with this. Oh, I should say that this is written by Nick Spencer, art by Aban Coelho, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. But, you know, like, it's really sad, kind of creepy story how she's had to deal with all this and seeing how she may be a really important key to the Hunter storyline is pretty cool. I don't want to get too much more into the story. I will, though, say that if you are excited about Hunted, which I believe you should be, you may want to make sure you're paying attention to C2E2. I'm going to be doing something pretty cool during Mm. C2E2 in Chicago around Hunted. Nice. Next up this week is Avengers number 16. And this is my second pick of the week. I'm starting it off hot here. From steamy, sunny, hot Los Angeles. Just kidding. Is it steamy no, and sunny? And, oh. No, it's like 55 degrees. <laughs> oh, that sounds heavenly. That's my. That's like the perfect temperature for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, this issue is by Jason Aaron and David Marquez with colors by Eric Arseniega and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is called A Fistful of Blood. That's the name of the issue. I had a great time reading this because... I'm a big Ghost Rider fan. I think that's just such a cool mantle across the board, whether it's Johnny Blaze or... Danny Catch. Exactly, Danny Catch. Whoever it might be, you know, on the Avengers, it's Robbie Reyes. I just think it's it's so cool. But what's really fascinating about this is, you know, obviously Avengers recently, the last few issues, we've kind of been exploring these more mystical elements this kind of more like cryptology and things like that. It's really, really awesome. I'm a huge fan. We know Jason Aaron can do those uh, kind of stories uh, with the best of them, obviously. This is a really fascinating issue because he it explores Robbie Reyes in a, in a way that we really haven't before, certainly in my mind, in uh, this Avengers run so far. He's kind of the central figure of this story, it's a little spoilery. I don't want to go too far into it, but, you know, something goes down with Robbie. There are some demons involved, literal and figurative. Specifically, I wanted to shout out the design, the David Marquez design on some of these demons, which are, like, so cool. They kind of brought to mind, like, a Mike Mignola style, kind mm. of, like, 
hell demon, you know, like kind of crawling on the ceiling with like these skulls and like these like red bodies, things like that. Really, really awesome stuff. But we get to see the Avengers throw down. We get to see the action. I there's something big that I'm specifically staying away from, which like made me jump out of my seat, which is so awesome. I, I you know it almost goes without saying, but having a great time with Avengers as always, and uh, yeah, this crushed it. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to love about this issue. Red Widow, super cool, super brutal. There's yeah. one moment where she's like threatening Dracula by saying she's gonna kill his consorts, and I like I like that also because it just says you know what. Dracula likes everybody. Right. Dracula wants to get it on with everything. Yeah. He is down to clown all the time. <laughs> he is ancient and he is horny. And that's just the way Dracula is. Look, uh, that's the way it is. Yeah, it's real fun. Uh, plus, this issue has this great panel where the giant vampiric talking dog is like laughing at Blade. Mm-hmm. There's some really big, absurd, wonderful comic book pieces in this issue. Up next is Avengers No Road Home number four, written by Jim Zub, Mark Wade, and Al Ewing, with art by Sean Isaacs, colors by Marcio Menez, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And this one is really cool because this is a key story detailing Nix's origins, her history, how and when and why her children were created, her wars with the Olympians. It's really neat stuff for getting into the background and why this character is so interesting, so formidable, and and has such a neat place in these mythos. We get two major plot moves here, which is really great for this issue. But the real meat is this villain background stuff. That's just like what we do, Mm -hmm. building these great villains, giving them these cool stories, making them layered and and really interesting and relatable. And it's all right here. This big, deep story. The last story page of this issue is delightful, uh, which I will not spoil. Also, there's a big, fun behind-the-scenes page of the writers talking about their own favorite villains. And there were some, (laughs) some characters listed in there that you don't normally hear about, and it made me very happy. Oh, yeah. Next up, we have The Black Order number five. This is the final issue of this limited series. It's been so much fun. Written by Derek Landy with pencils by Carlos Magno. Inks by Scott Hanna. Colors by J. David Ramos and Dono Sanchez Almara. And letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. We've kind of spoken before about how each of these issues is kind of zoomed in on a different member of The Black Order. Kind of gotten to know their point of view, their voice, their place in the team. And at the end of the previous issue, uh, things took a turn. This issue puts Ebony Maw at front and center uh, in a lot of ways. What's so fascinating about a, a bad, baddie team, a team of villains, uh, is it's hard to nail down their allegiances, even to each other, let alone to the kind of greater task at hand i loved the introduction of nova into this story i think that was so much fun for me the art we've had a couple of different artists jump on board this this uh issue featuring work by carlos magno is really fun and again the colors by jw ramos and donna sanchez omara are so great there's some really wonderful like purple lightning there's Uh, amazing reds and oranges all the way throughout to see this limited series wrap up in a way that I think holds up all the pillars of the entire limited series 
as a whole with the team and then to have, of course, the Grandmaster involved in the way that he is, is just a delight because there's a real contrast in terms of tone, in terms of ways of doing things between uh, these different characters. I had a great time with this limited series. Uh, I know it was maybe one of your picks uh, once or twice along the way, Ryan. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is a great time and, and I think a really solid end to the uh, to the series. Heck yeah. All right, up next is Champions number three, which is written by Mr. Jim Zub, art by Stephen Cummings, colors by Marcio Menez with Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So, last issue. If you are not up on your champions, <laughs> let me just say there's stuff we got to talk about to talk about this issue. So, if you need to skip ahead, do so right now. And that's Boom. that. Uh, so last issue, Miles and Amadeus were in a horrible battle, and Viv and Ms. Marvel died. That happened. Wow. But <laughs> they were able to turn back. Uh, uh, yes. Triple P is looking at me. Do, Do not sing. Do it. Do not sing. <laughs> uh, they were able to turn time backwards to save their friends thanks to Mephisto. So that is a big deal. And in the course of things, while they were able to save Viv and Ms. Marvel, an innocent girl died. Mm. It was brutal. And so we see how that's affecting Miles and Amadeus, particularly Miles in this issue. All the while that's going on, we have the super neat training sequence with the new kids. This issue really gives me vibes of like classic Marvel stories, like old school X-Men training montages and issues and, and, you know, stuff where they're in the danger room or the Avengers going around and bantering, uh, you know, in like Avengers Mansion. I really, really love that. That's like Jim's up just having a great time. And I think of the new characters we've got on the team, uh, Pinpoint is really fun. My new favorite here, not a big brawler, but really could present a lot of fun options. And bonus, I feel like, and I don't have the specific knowledge, I feel like we're building to Sam Alexander getting his hero groove back real soon. I hope so. Next book up this week. Whoa, this was a really good one. This is Conan the Barbarian number four. This is The King in the Cage. And we find out what that means in a couple of different ways. Really awesome. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Gerardo Zafino. Colors by Matthew Wilson and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Whoa, Gerardo Zafino. Oh, man. So <laughs> good. Ridiculously good. At this point in Conan's life, of course, he's the king. I actually, reading this, I thought often of kind of like Beowulf. Because we have the king, we have the court, and uh, he is this kind of great warrior king. But I'm burying the lead here because yeah. this issue is all about the king in the cage. And that means the king, not the king Conan, but the king of the jungle. That's right. That's Conan's kind of, how would you describe it? Like his kind I'm calling of, it his like best friend who is also right. a pet lion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his like pet buddy lion who he like goes to war alongside it is the coolest thing in the world um, this is 
King Conan becomes a vigilante in his kingdom with a pet lion as his sidekick <laughs> cleaning up the streets. If that's not enough to get everyone listening to buy this <laughs> issue, I don't understand how you love comics. Yeah, it is incredible. Like the first scene like where like the lion is kind of let out of the cage, you could tell they're kind of like they have a long history, you can feel this, but at the same time, it's been a long time since they've been together. Conan punches the lion in the face at one point, but like three panels later, that's kind of like how we, they like earn each other's respect again. Um, that's their meat cute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, you can just feel the weight of the kind of years on Conan at this point, so you can feel all that history. But to see him come together with his lion sidekick is the coolest. And then, of course... We see them go to town. There's just some awesome, awesome fight scenes in here. And I was talking about Gerardo Safino before, but man, does he bring it. And the other thing that we've spoken about many, 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 many times is Matthew Wilson's colors. But it is so unbelievable that he can do something like Runaways and be so amazing. He can do something like Mighty Thor this kind of grand, huge cosmic story and be so amazing. He could do something like this with just this really gritty, bloody, scratchy king story and be so amazing. It's really, really incredible. I mean, we speak about uh, Matt all the time and, and rightfully so. This is just so much fun to read. It It is, you know, it contains multitudes. It's so good for so many reasons. Yeah, I totally agree, Ryan, with what you said. Like, this one absolutely is not one to miss. It's, it's so good. It's just everything you want from a Conan story. Yeah. And, you know, like there is an overarching Conan story going on yes. in the book. But if you just were like, you know what? I want to give a try to a single Conan issue. Yeah. <laughs> do this one. This yeah. one is so much fun. Also so much fun is Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History, issue number one, which is written by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti, with pencils by Gerardo Sandoval, inks by Victor Nava, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Oh, man. This one's a hoot. Also, I got to give a big shout out because there's like 9 billion variant covers to this issue. Yeah. There's two really gorgeous ones by Greg Horn. Really, really cool painted covers. There's one by Jerome Pena and Jason Keith that is just gorgeous. There's some really cool stuff in here on the variant cover front. Uh, I know many of you are collectors out there, so go look for those. You know, I'm a big Paul Shear fan. I've been very excited for this, and it's kind of a extra wacky Yeah. V- Cosmic Ghost Rider story, like Donnie's been doing the wacky, but this takes it up a couple notches because this kind of follows up on the baby Thanos limited series with Castle having dealt with all that. He finds himself almost stuck in the past. And I, I it feels like he's just been going through years and years and years and years of just waiting for things to happen. So he's now creeping up into modern times, finds himself seeing his family, the Castle family, just before they were killed. So big time paradox stuff going on there. But the cute setup is that he goes to see his family pretending to be his own uncle and telling his young son stories about superheroing. Like I said, very wacky, but it works. This issue really, though, focuses on Cosmic Ghost Rider telling his run-ins with the Fantastic Four. And I think that's a really neat way to tell the story is like he's 
messing with the history of the Marvel Universe, and they do it by looking at the history of certain groups of characters. But we see him mess with classic Fantastic Four stories such as their origins, the new Fantastic Four, the trial of Galactus, and Hereafter, which is one of my personal favorite Fantastic Four stories where the team has to go to heaven to get the thing back and they meet God. Then you throw Cosmic Ghost Rider into this, and this has a cameo by someone who I hugged yesterday, Hmm. uh, who may have a hand in creating Cosmic Ghost Rider. Look out for them. (laughs) Truly, that should put a couple pieces together. It's really fun. I love Gerardo Sandoval's super exaggerated but really detailed art. I think it works very, very well here. Totally. Next up this week, we have Deadpool number 10. It's written by Scotty Young with art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by Jeff Eckleberry. Big, huge fan of this entire creative team and their work on Deadpool. This issue kicks off with the Merc on a call with Hammerhead. That kicks things off, but what's really interesting for me, this issue comes down to two big things. One, we're introduced to this villain called Good Knight. What? (laughs) Um, uh, I know there are, there are certain superhero parallels that this kind of feels like for me, which is really awesome. This feels like a big villain. This feels like this creative team is kind of introducing a really interesting, huge obstacle for Deadpool here. And and it's really, really, it feels different to what we've experienced so far in this run, but Hey, guess who's back? It's our old friend, Bob, agent of Hydra. I love Bob. Ah, uh, oh, come on. It was such a delight to see him back, to see him like so reluctantly getting involved in all of the Deadpool business. Bob, Agent Hydra, in case you didn't know, he's a guy who needed a job, so he like got a job down at the local Hydra factory, okay? He's just a guy, <laughs> but like he works for a really bad company, but he's just a dude anyway. Uh, he gets entangled in things, but then we see uh, the kind of throwdown start to kick off between Goodnight and Deadpool. It is bloody it's so brutal but anyway yeah really really enjoy deadpool number 10 heck yeah me too also there's a conversation like the whole bob deadpool sequence is so good they have an argument about the tv shows felicity and lost and like i don't know anything about felicity but i want to get in on that conversation it was a hoot all right, next book is Domino Hot Shots number one. It was very nearly one of my picks of the week. And oh, yeah. whew, so good. It is written by Gail Simone, art by David Baldion, colors by Jim Charlampitas, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Oh, man. The issue opens with this sequence that includes some really cool Kirby-style visuals by David. It's just mm-hmm. the gnarliest, most fun comic stuff and you know like speaking of david he is he's one of my favorite artists right now like in the top maybe five three somewhere in there just so good the detail and attention he gives to every page to every scene people in the background costumes outfit details facial expressions action it is just so phenomenal if you are someone who comes in for an artist You have to read this book just to see what David does page to page. But Gail is tremendous, and this is just, like, the perfect book for her. Her story, she's just doing so much fun stuff. You have 
some really neat things. You've got Domino meeting with Black Widow to talk about working together, which also allows David to go ham and create these like civilian gear, spy meeting outfits for Domino, Black Widow, and White Fox. Mm -hmm. White Fox, really cool character. She's this Korean character who's been in some of our Marvel Korean comics as well as our Future Fight game. But, you know, when we see them talking, we see Widow and Domino together. There's this great sequence where Widow compliments Domino. And Domino, you're hearing her, her thoughts, and she's like, man... Black Widow's the best. She's so cool. She's the best in the game. She's an Avenger, all this other stuff. And when Widow compliments Domino, the expression that David draws on her face and then the the bit of blush that Jim adds to it, it is one mm-hmm. of my favorite panels this week. It is yeah. so good. But then, you know, for story-wise, we have Domino and Outlaw and Diamondback from the Domino series, plus Atlas Bear, who was introduced in the pages of the Domino series. She is a Wakandan woman who has these precog abilities. They're coming together. They're working with White Fox and Black Widow to deal with a very powerful weapon. Boom, you're off and running. Big recommendation on this issue. Totally. Okay. Strap (laughs) in, folks. (laughs) Because here we go. This is Immortal Hulk number 14. And boy... Oh, boy. I mean, we talk about the drama of this series. We talk about the depths that Al Ewing is exploring. And, man, he doesn't stop. This issue is called We Only Meet at Funerals, which just to start is just such a cool, beautiful title, even though it ends the, the issue. But this is written by Al Ewing with unbelievable guest art by Kyle Hotz. Colors by Paul Mounts and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Oh, man. This is really interesting because for the first kind of half of the issue, we don't really see Bruce Banner. This has been a series that has been focusing so heavily uh, in really incredible landmark ways on Bruce Banner, on his psyche, on his past, on him dealing with himself, with his family, his father, his past. So to kind of have this entire first half of the issue jump to kind of another character was super, super fascinating. We have narration all the way through, but we're following Betty Ross, uh, who is dealing with the aftermath of the death of Thunderbolt Ross, which is something really interesting. I was very excited to see that explored in this issue because that's been something, of course, that has been reverberating around the Marvel Universe for a little while, but to see us zoom in on it here was uh, so fascinating. The monster does emerge at a certain point. I don't want to talk about why. The last page is gorgeous and terrifying and disgusting and like so intriguing. It is all so much wrapped up into one. I will say that I love Kyle Holtz's his Hulk. It is, I mean... Monsters. There's like an old yeah. There's an old school yeah horror to him yes in a in a different way yes than uh you know we know when we see Joe Bennett draw him yes it's still so terrifying yeah yeah I mean there's kind of muscles on muscles on muscles he's just such a, a mound such a presence but also this giant jaw with almost this kind of like his teeth almost end up feeling like fangs these kind of the veins that are kind of pulsating out of him it is truly terrifying 
this run is going down in history 1 million percent it is that good love it so much uh, and this one takes a lot out of you um, but in the best way yeah, this was this was nearly one of my picks. Yeah. Uh, if if you want to see some of the most gorgeous pages in any comic of rain coming down, yeah. the way yeah. that Kyle and Paul draw and color that it is it's something it's hard to even fully describe. You have to look at it. You have to absorb it. And Paul, mm. he keeps all the colors like the the, the gross greens, the cool blues, these lovely sad rain panels but the the issue itself hitting on like grief and anger and loss and sadness but not 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 sadness because someone you love died but sadness because someone died whom you should have loved more and who right. you wish loved yes. you more like that ache in your heart is so real yeah that's such a good way to put it the way you were what you were saying at the end of the issue it's like it's like a train rolling and rolling and the last few pages the train is just immediately on fire right, and it's going right. and it's going and going. <laughs> and then right at the end, it explodes and you're just like, what is happening? It's yeah, yeah. so good. Oh, I love this book. It's so good. All right, before we continue on with this episode, I just want to give a thanks to our advertiser this week, Marvel MasterCard, because, you know, I know all you listeners, you, me, Tucker, we're all dying to know what happens in Marvel Studios' Avengers Endgame. And you could be one of the first to find out. How? With the Marvel MasterCard. Apply for the Marvel MasterCard today and you'll be entered to win a trip to Los Angeles. Hey, that's where I am. Uh, And tickets to the premiere of Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame. Learn more at marvelmastercard.com slash list. With the Marvel MasterCard, you'll earn 3% cash back on movies, restaurants, and comic books, and 1% cash back on all other purchases. With all cash back paid as a statement credit, there's no limit on the cash back you can earn. Plus, you'll receive a three-month Marvel Unlimited subscription, giving you access to over 20,000 digital comics. You can even choose your superhero from one of six cool card designs like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a few. You can visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. And just real quick, a little legalese in here for you. No purchase or application necessary to enter the Marvel MasterCard application sweepstakes. Open to legal residents of 50 U.S. slash U.S. territories slash D.C. and Puerto Rico, 18 years or older, ends March 31st, 2019. For complete rules and a no-application method of entry, visit marvelcardappliesweeps.dja.com. Now on to our next book, which is my first pick of the week, and it is Killmonger number five. Oh, daddy, this is the one. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm already exhausted and excited and just can't wait to talk about this. This is written by Brian Hill, art and cover by Juan Ferreira. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino, color assist by Eduardo Ferreira. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. My first note that I wrote for this was I haven't opened the issue, but just looking at the cover, I'm sad this is ending. (laughs) It's just so, so, so good. There's a scene in here where you have Killmonger talking to Knight. Knight is the woman he worked with, the woman who sold him out, the woman who nearly killed him. The woman who is a means to maybe getting him to T'Challa and he blackmails her and he says, quote, I offered you a kingdom. You wanted to be a slave. 
slaves do what they're told. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was losing it. It's so good. Brian's, like, command of this character is just incredible. And then you get a few pages later, and Jataka, a.k.a. Killmonger, he's reeling from what his reality has become what is going on in his mind, what his path has led him to. He's on his knees. He's pleading and he's yelling at Bass. And it is, it like, honest to God, sent a chill up my spine looking at it. Yeah. There's a sequence inside a cathedral, like towards the end of the issue, that is just the perfect distillation of rage and fury and beauty and heartbreak and anger and glory and some of the most vicious and beautiful panels I've ever seen in comics. You know, you have Brian together with Juan, and it is it is pure magic to me. This is exactly why I love comics, this story. It's one of those books I desperately want us to do an oversized hardcover collection of. Oh, yeah. Because I want to be able to, like, I want this on my bookshelf. I want the art on my walls. I want to give this to people to read it. It's not just one of my favorite series in recent memory. It is one of my all-time favorite Marvel comics. Wow. I, I think I can say that definitively. I think it is such an incredible story. It is so perfectly told. It is without question like one of the, the books I put up high, high, high on the mantle. Wow. That's high praise. Unbelievable. I mean, all the shout-outs to Brian Hill and Juan Ferreira, uh, Josephine on Letters, just a ridiculous a ridiculous achievement. I'm so excited to see what these guys do next because I just want them to work together. Man. I know, like, right? I, forever. Totally. All right. Next up, we have Marvel Superhero Adventures Spider Man Spider Sense of Adventure number one. This is another one of these great young readers' books. We have a few different stories in here. We have Panic Island, which is by Sean Ryan, uh, who we've seen on Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man before. Uh, he does this alongside Mario Del Panino and Jim Campbell. Then we have Spidey Bugs Out by the great Leah Williams uh, with Irene Strakowski and Jim Campbell. We have Daily Bugle Funnies by Ty Templeton and Kieran Smith. An Amazing Spider-Maze by uh, Owen McCarran and... A Great Color Your Own Ghost Spider by Mr. Scotty Young. Uh, the letters throughout are by VCs Joe Caramagna, and we have a great cover by Jacob Chabot, who we'll see more of later. Uh, oh, but yeah. this, yeah, uh, this is a delight as we see little Spidey and little Spider Gwen, uh, Ghost Spider, play like a VR video game, which, if you've been reading Tony Stark Iron Man, we know can be a slippery slope. <laughs> but luckily for them, uh, it's just a dang delight. So much fun. So great to see like these little versions of characters like Arcade and things like that. Great for young readers everywhere. But now, next book, we have Meet the Scrolls number one. It's written by Robbie Thompson, our old friend, a friend of the show, with art by Nico Henry Sean, color assistant Lauren Grossat. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham, and then the great Marcos Martin coming in with the cover here. You know, with a story like this, which is kind of like, look, the premise is it, we kind of have the scrolls who are, of course, these kind of shapeshifters. They exist just in everyday life. Uh, you pass them on the street, you see them at the park, you stand next to them on the bus, but you don't know their scroll. And uh, there's that great moment when. All the members of this particular scroll family, the Warners, 
come home and all transform back into their kind of scroll alien forms and we are kind of then led into the story of of the difficulties of this life but really what was fascinating for me reading this is you really start to connect to these characters um robbie thompson you can kind of tell that he was really chopping at the bit to tell this story because it feels deeply human despite being about uh, about this, these scroll characters and uh, you know the kind of obvious or major kind of landmark reference point for a lot of people with a story that I was obviously thinking about when when reading this is the visions by Tom King and uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta, a landmark story in its own right. Uh, yeah, really excited to see uh, where Robbie and Nico and company take this one because I feel like there are so many different directions that we can go in moving forward. But uh, yeah, I think. As far as a first issue, as far as getting to know the characters, laying a foundation for what this story is going to be, and it can be so many different things, this was excellent and a really, really great start. Yeah, I I love the vision comparison. I didn't think about that until you said it, and it makes perfect sense. It's really cool. But I also would say this reminded me of The Americans, Mm. the Mm -hmm. television show, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite shows of all time. And it's so good. Yeah, totally. Uh, and Robbie, Robbie's a sweet baby boy, and I love him. Uh, <laughs> all right, up next, I'm going to take three Star Wars books in a row. First up is Star Wars number 62. And, you know, this one, we've been we've been building to it. It's The Scourging of mm-hmm. Shooteron, part one. It's written by Kieran Gillen, art by Andrea Brocardo, colors by Guru Effects, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. There's two things I love, Tucker. One... A story with some squad building montage beats. Oh, yeah. Come on. And a story about revenge. <laughs> and this is all of that and so much more. It's got a whole sequence at like a theater in Star Wars universe, which is super fun. It's got action on Jedha, which is really neat. It's got sneaky, sneaky bits. It's got Leia making a plan. There's a, uh, a Black Flag song called Revenge that I was listening to. I was listening to just a very angry music this week, uh, <laughs> okay. which was good. Sometimes it just gets my blood flowing. Yeah. But, uh, I was listening to Revenge. That is my anthem for this arc. Uh, up next is Star Wars Age of Republic, Padme Amidala, number one. And it's written by Jody Hauser, art by Corey Smith and Wilton Santos, inks by Walden Wong and Mark Deering, colors by Java Tartaglia, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I think this might be my favorite Amidala that I've seen or read in like these prequel era stories. Yeah. You know, she's calm, she's cool, capable, super badass. She runs with a really cool crew of like these bodyguard handmaidens and she does what she wants. I like that. And she feels very much like Leia's mom, you mm-hmm. know, and like mm-hmm. just those things that are hereditary that like clicks. I'm really into this issue. You know, a character I'm not uh, super duper familiar with outside of what I've seen in the movies. And I was like, yeah, give me more of this. She's dope. Yeah. And our third Star Wars book of the week is Star Wars Vader Dark Visions number one, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Paolo Vianelli, colors by Arif Prianto, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And You know, you were probably like me. You were like, I don't realize that I need a comic featuring Darth Vader riding a six-legged winged 
black horse-like creature <laughs> in a battle against a massive kaiju beast. But you do need it. Oh, yeah. And it is in this comic. You will get it. Vader, he, he crash lands on a planet after this major battle and ends up just going toe-to-toe with this giant thing. But the story is told from one of the planet's native inhabitants who witnesses everything. And it was so cool. It was, I had no idea what this was going to be. And it's really, really neat. Paolo's artwork is really got this like fierce and fluid vibe to it. His Vader flies through the air, slices at the monster, carves and chases. And he looks like a hero, but also at the same time looks like a monster. And mm-hmm. it's a really interesting way that... It is depicted. It's really, really cool. It's a very different story from the other recent Vader books, but just as fantastic. I loved this issue. Nice. Okay, next up is Uncanny X-Men number 13. It's written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. Oh, man. Look, I feel like there's so much I want to talk about with this. But let me zoom out first. We've mentioned it before. It may be obvious to some, but I want to shout it from the rooftops that this year, 2019, is going to be such a massive year for the mutants. There are so many exciting things happening, and there are so many moving parts that are all doing their own amazing things. It's kind of hard to believe like that all the planning kind of melds so beautifully, but that's the power of Marvel editorial. That's the power of these creators that we're, that we're dealing with. In this issue of Uncanny X-Men, we have Wolverine and Cyclops, of course. They're in a world where the X-Men, the rest of the X-Men, are presumed dead. They recently teamed up with Havoc, Magic, Wolfsbane, Karma, Mirage, and the Multiple Man, Uh, there is some really, really awesome action. It's so cool to see Wolverine throwing down alongside Cyclops, you know, for so many different reasons. We haven't been able to really experience that in a long time. Just those characters full bore going all out in battle. So to see them really uh, running in stride here, working alongside a couple of other X-Men, even if it's this kind of hodgepodge team that we haven't really seen before, it's just the best. Uh, so just to to kind of rocket out of this issue into where we're going next, there's so much to love about this issue. There's so much to love about Uncanny X-Men. There's so much to love about what's happening with the mutants at large. And this, uh, in many, many ways, feels like the heart of it all. Could not uh, personally recommend this enough. Yeah, all that stuff you said, I just think, like, I'll read this and I know all the things that Matt is like, oh, I wish I want to put this in the comments because right, I right. want to see it. And it's so much fun. Maybe my favorite thing in this is a list of X-Men enemies that Cyclops puts together, mm. which like it's just this inset panel where you get to see the list. And I just love it. Like the big X nerd in me yeah. uh, got really excited about that. So we're hoping to put together some uh, some bonus this week in Marvel at Marvel.com content around that list real soon. Talk about it because there's some deep cuts in that villain nice. list. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited for that. Okay. Last book of the week and my second pick of the week is Ziggy Pig Silly Seal Comics number one. Oh my gosh. Oh guys. yeah. Woo-wee! Okay. <laughs> uh, it is written by Frank Thierry and John Cirilli. Art by Jacob Shabat. Colors by Stefani Rene. And letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Great covers uh, by Nick Klein. So, a uh, little background Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal 
go way back. If you missed our conversations around the 1940s, the timely era comics into some of the 1950s stuff, we talked about Ziggy and Silly a little bit because they were they were funny animal characters that we had done tons of comics for way back when in the 40s. The way they're positioned here is that in the Marvel Universe, Ziggy and Silly were the Marvel Universe's premier comedy duo. Think of Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy, mm-hmm. Cheech and Chong, Wilder and Pryor, Hope and Crosby, but they were also cartoon animals. And it was like, as happens with many of these duos, they drifted apart. They had different career paths. So this story picks up years later where they are in very different places in their lives, where Ziggy Pig is sort of not doing so well, but Silly is having the best career, the (laughs) best life. So it's real fun. Before I get into deeper into the story, I will say up front, I am very biased here. Totally. This is written by Frank Thierry and John Cirilli. John is, without hyperbole, one of my favorite people on the planet. He is he is my boss, but we also shared an office for years and we've become very close. He's truly one of the most genuine and best people I have ever met. Yeah, he really and is. To, to, to see his name on a comic from a story he helped put together, I'm bursting with pride and joy. Like, just talking about it makes me so happy. And Frank Thierry is also a friend of mine, someone who is, he may want to kill me for this, he's one of the most true blue, got your back no matter what is going on, friends. He is one of the sweetest dudes, even though he has, like, this tough exterior. He's, a, <laughs> he's also a fantastic damn writer, but... You know, me saying all this mushy stuff may damage his tough as nails rep, but believe me, (laughs) he is more hardcore and tougher than you will ever know. The many hours I've spent with Frank and hearing the many stories he has told, I will never want anyone to cross Frank for everyone's sake. But that said, holy crap, I love this book. It is disgusting and funny as hell. It is a mature you know, there's a parental advisory on this book for a reason. Uh, there's a lot of wacky stuff in here. So incredibly detailed because of Jacob's artwork. The little details he puts on like every panel is wild. And I asked John and Frank about this and they were like, that was just Jacob going to town. There's a panel yeah. inside Ziggy's like disgusting apartment. It's a tiny little shot you can barely see of these roaches playing poker. He didn't have to do that. Like, it's so cool. It's so fun. There's a Comic-Con in this story where Ziggy goes to, you know, sort of like every once in a while you go to these local conventions, you see some celebrities, you see some comic creators, all that good stuff. Well, there's one here in this book, and it's called the Alley Behind a Closed Down Laundromat Comic-Con. And all the details that Jacob puts in here, it's wild. Also, Method Man cameos in this issue. It's great. (laughs) Uh, They create a new talk show host in the Marvel Universe, a parody of one real world talk show host whose studio is very close to Marvel headquarters. Mm -hmm. I won't spoil it. I want to add one little detail to that. That that exact thing came out of a conversation between our other friend and colleague, Mark Buckwhites, who made a visit to John Cirilli's office as he does like every day just to uh, just to chat. And they were talking about this issue and that uh, talk show host name came up then so i kudos to old bucky there and uh it's just another just insanely delightful detail in this great story agreed yes yeah big shout out to mark this is 
It's one of my favorite issues of the year and my favorite of our 80th anniversary style throwback issues because that's what this is. This is mm-hmm. part of our 80th. You know, we have this deep history with these cartoon funny book, these animal characters. And so this is the one we did that. And they took it in a completely wild direction. Please give this a try. Ziggy and Silly are not well-known characters, <laughs> but I promise you're going to love this book. Uh, I would. I really desperately want more Ziggy and Silly comics. It's so much fun. Totally, oh, man. Totally, totally so agreed. Good. Moving into collections on sale this week, we have Avengers by Jason Aaron, Volume 2, World Tour, Exiles, Volume 2, The Trial of the Exiles, Fantastic Four, Volume 1, Forever, Star Wars Ewoks, Flight to Danger. The That's un- right, guys. Star Wars <laughs> Ewoks comics, reprinted at Marvel. Come on. You get it. The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 10, Life is Too Short, Squirrel, Wolverine Epic Collection, Back to Basics, X-Men Black, and X-Men Red, Volume 2, Waging Peace. Yes. A uh, bunch of stuff on the Marvel apps this week. Uh, no uh, digital originals, uh, but some collections and stuff. Marvel Unlimited has some really neat stuff in here. There's Jessica Jones, the Marvel Digital Originals, the, the first series. Yeah, the first series, issue two of that. If you're not reading it, come on. I don't even know. Uh, Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends is in there. There's uh, Savage Hulk from 1996, which is pretty cool. Some Star Wars stuff. Some uh, 90s X-Men books. Some early 80s What If comics. We're filling out the run there, which makes me very happy. Issues 40 through 42 and 44 through 47. And X-Men Grand Design Second Genesis number two, uh, which is just something you got to read. Totally. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff this week. It was a so really good. phenomenal week. Tucker, enjoy the rest of Los Angeles. I want oh, hey, tales. Thanks. Go eat some good food. Hang out with our, our lovely uh, coworkers, and I'll see you back here next week. Yeah, I, I will. I'll give your regards to the Pacific Ocean and um, Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, other other L.A. references. Sure. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe.